What is ain't art? What is ain't art? What isn't art? What is not art? What is art? What is not art? What is not art? What isn't art? What is ain't art? What ain't art? What is ain't art? What is ugly? We have a long history of studying aesthetics and studying various art mo various art forms, art movements. We have broken and included the frame as part of the art piece. We have broken the frame with installations that are one with the gallery, that are one with the environment, that no longer appear to stand out as art does, that no longer draw your attention to them. The art of obscurity, the art of anonymity. Is it art? But our question isn't, is it art? We don't care about what is art. <laughs> We've successfully answered that question. Because you get to outsider art and the question you have there is whether or not it's art, whether drawings made in a diary by a five-year-old are in fact art. They're clearly not made to be seen by anyone else. They're clearly not made to be put up in a gallery. They're clearly not, well, arguably that they are not made to be aesthetically appealing, but they are in fact created as an act of play. Play is naturalism. It's naturally growing aesthetic. <laughs> It's the art of the mistake, the art of error. As we try to turn error or mistake into art, is that we fall into the trap of contextualizing it. <laughs> That's the thing. Instead of specific items within a context being art, like the picture or something within a frame or a sculpture, or an art piece, it is how an image, how something fits in with everything else. The outsider, the boundary between mainstream and non-mainstream, the popular and the unpopular, not the aesthetic, but the anesthetic, but the anesthetic, that which puts you to sleep, that which doesn't break the mold, but was never in any kind of a mold to begin with. Extreme naturalism. 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 Here's a question. Is this funny? Okay. <laughs> is this a joke? What isn't art? What isn't art? What is ain't art? What ain't art? What ain't art? Art. The question we're trying to get to is not what is ugly, but what is 
outside the framework of something creative. Art is something that is specifically a cognitive activity because it's based on creativity. Now, when you're trying to overcome creativity, when you're trying to go outside the framework of the totality of aesthetics into what you can simply call experience, although we do have expressionism and experientialism as an art movement, that is still something that is that is still something that is co-opted. That is still something that is not out of place in a gallery. <laughs> trying to create something that is out of place. That is not supposed to, that is not fitting in with, that is not, that ain't, that isn't, that is not, that is not. Improvisation. Improvisation. Improv. Improvisation. Improvisualization. Improvisation attempts to do this. It comes out of a school of naturalism. Outside of a school pursuing a recontact with authenticity, with authenticity, with authenticity. What isn't? <laughs> Art, what is beyond cognition, is experience which is not planned. The natural is the unconscious. It is the intuitive. We go with Basquiat and brute art and expressionism and sort of recreating the flowing hand movements of the child. Calculated ignorance. Calculated intuition. What isn't art? When life imitates art and everything is a performance, such as social media, and you grow up on social media, you grow up in a mode in which you are constantly performing and presenting and acting. The notion of the ego personality or persona, the image, the public image, public relations, the brand. All calculated logos, intellectual property, the colonization of intuition by cognition, the colonization of experience by the inexperience, by knowledge, by knowing, by and by and buying it and commercialization and demonetization. What isn't art? What is not meant to be here? The approach of improvisation is a similar approach to the raw recording or the live recording. The live recording is an odd thing because it is a one-time experience captured to be something that is now presented and sold. It's the butterfly taken out of its environment, mummified and resold.
as <laughs> an art piece, as a collector's item. Mistakes can't be collected. Mistakes can be collected. Mistakes can't be <coughs> collected. <coughs> you can't, um, you can't ever be authentic enough. Authenticity and the attempt of improvisation and the live recording is that it was attempting to be increasingly natural. To produce something that is absolutely original, that, like, much like the Beat Generation's cut-ups, is not consciously positive, is in fact unconscious. The unconscious as a representative of the intuitive, much like visionary art, which appears of its own accord from another dimension, supplanting and infringing and replacing the present one. The breaking of expectations of what is real, what is meaningful, what is important, what is culture, what is art. The unknown, the unplanned, the unprepared for. Consider the way I am presenting this in comparison to previous recordings. There's a certain intonation, a certain twang, a certain flow, a certain something, some performance. An act. As instead what it's trying to be is a conversation. But you can hear the difference between the conversational recordings or the talks and something that is trying to be conversational, that is trying to be a talk. Something that does not belong. The error, the improvisation, is still the execution of perfect while created skill developed over a great number of rehearsed improvisations. You practice at improvising and practice and practice until it is seamless, until you can perfectly fit in, until you can perfectly fit in with, why the correction, until you can perfectly fit in with the environment, until you can perfectly be in key, play against, play in flow, jam, mesh, with the others, with the group, with the band improvisation. Let's consider noise as music. Music as the taking of pleasant and preferred and well-cultivated sound into 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 something that is for a specific aesthetic purpose. We make the distinction between music and noise. Music is often what we like, and noise is often what we dislike. They are both working with sound, working with concussive vibrations on the eardrums, on the cochlea. <laughs> Isn't cochlea a pretty word? Anyway, enough about inner ear snails. Yes. What is ain't art? What is the subject of this talk? Is this a talk? What is this? What is this recording? What is being recorded here? Is this a presentation? 
is this worth your attention? The idea of art, of the aesthetic, is that an aesthetic draws the attention of those who subscribe to that aesthetic. But now we consider the notion of serendipity. Serendipity or synchronicity. That is meaningful coincidences that you were thinking of a friend you hadn't talked to in a long time and suddenly they don't call you and suddenly they call you <laughs> we have Jean-Michel Basquiat drawing on found objects because he is so poor on his own pursuing his art alone in New York whereas he comes from a very wealthy black household. He is well educated in art history. He is intelligent yet he abandoned his country home life for a very ruddy New York to be at the epicenter of the 80s art movement at the age of 18. You see, is that a synchronicity? <laughs> to talk about them and then. But let me ask you, what isn't a synchronicity? What isn't a meaningful coming together of what was and at the same time wasn't expected? Magic, in other words. Magic, in other words. Magic with a K, in other words. Spoken word, freestyle rap, poetry. What is ain't art? What is noise? With the noise movement. Forgotten now remembered with the noise movement, which was our subject matter, apparently. What is the tangent and what is the actual narrative? What is not supposed to be here? Now, can you capture, in the words of Genesis Briar P. Orange, can you capture the sound of porridge? Can you capture the sound of cold porridge? The difference in the vibe, the atmosphere, the feeling, the lows, the highs, the frequency. The spectrums of intensities between Goldilocks's, I mean, the big bears, father bears, porridge that is too hot, mother bears, porridge that is too cold, and baby bears, porridge that is befitting of the aesthetic preferences of young Goldilocks. Pretensions are often something that don't belong, being pretentious. Yet, what differentiates your pretensions, pretensions, tensions that occur prior to a scenario that are primed to tick off the other person, that somehow you are presenting something inauthentic, something artificial.
something that you think is inherently better than something that is natural, that is ordinary. Nature and culture that debates what is noise, not what is noise, that's not our question. Noise, noise and noise music and industrial music captures sound that are anti-art, anti-style, anti-aesthetic to create a new aesthetic, a new anti-aesthetic, an anesthetic of that which is a preferred for a different effect to displease grating sounds, grating sounds, grating sounds, grating sounds, jarring too loud. Imagine my surprise that sound and loud were actually half rhymes. Sound loud, out, and so nymphs. The idea that through natural recordings you can capture a vibe, a frequency, something, a texture, a kind of nothing that only rarely appears yet is universal, yet is omnipresent. Consider now building on the idea of noise, consider the texture that you get from old recordings, that you get from old tape recordings. There is an additional texture, a sound, a lack of fidelity that was once normal, that was once not there. But over time, the tapes, the recording, the archive has degraded in quality, has degraded in quality possibly in reference to digital sound, digital recording. It seems degraded, but it seemed quite state-of-the-art when it first appeared. It seemed clearer than what had come before. Compare 1920s to 1800s to 1960s to 1980s to 2020s. What ain't sound? What ain't synchronicity? What ain't befitting of the present moment? What ain't? What isn't? What is not? What not art? What not art? Which is natural? Let's consider natural language from the automated recordings or text-to-speech software. The attempt to mimic natural speech patterns. The attempt to correct the proper intonation. The proper intonation. The proper intonation. The proper intonation, the proper intention, the correct one, what is supposed to be, what was planned, what was choreographed, what was rehearsed, what is befitting. Which one's the narrative and which one's the tangent? 
And is it possible that through acemic writing, that is non-semantic speech such as glossolalia, that you get into something that cannot be, cannot be recreated? Glossolalia, or speaking in tongues, which is a peculiar predicament, because tongues can be interpreted as the Old English word for languages. Often languages are called tongues, so to, so to speak in a certain tongue, to speak in tongues, the ability, that power, that miracle, was the ability to understand and speak multiple languages with most likely very little learning, very little exposure like those who are pitch perfect, like those who can learn how to play a song simply by listening to it. Similarly, with heightened language capacities, you could simply hear the patterns, the grammar, and then simply gather the vocabulary of a language and be able to speak it. The ability to remain in that fluid childhood state where learning a language is very easy. Where learning a language comes naturally, to be natural, to just be what it is, to just be yourself. But the self, the self is an odd form of artifice. What isn't art is what is not and what cannot be intended. Oddly enough, if we intend to make a mistake, we will do it right. Ever tried taking psychedelics and then telling yourself you're going to have a bad trip and then not having a bad trip? Yeah. Telling yourself this is going to be a bad time and then it turns out to be the best time of your life. Or the more interesting, the more problematic, the more out of place, telling yourself you're going to be having a bad time and being right. When you expect it against your expectations. What isn't art? What is ink art? What is music? What is a synchronicity? I mean, what isn't a synchronicity? I misplaced it, said it wrong, apparently. Now our attempt is to go beyond the ken of creativity, but the only way you can get true error is by trying to create something well and not succeeding. But then, if you're trying to create error, and you fail at creating something else, and thereby create error on purpose, is it still error? Does voluntary compared to involuntary acts of creativity add a certain value to that creative act that is or isn't present in one or the other?
the thing about error is that within the context of performance, the audience, the receiver, the consumer, never knows what is and isn't supposed to be there in the first place. So when it is presented, it appears as natural. It appears as something that belongs. Even when during the creative process, it is known to the creator, to the artist, not to belong. In order to create what does not belong is first to create an expectation to give someone something that is, that creates a pattern of expectations. A pattern of expectations, such as, um, you know, um, you, um, a pattern of expectations that are, um, 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 to create a pattern of expectations, do you notice that I rarely say ah or um or no other such things? Or did you not notice the absence of these of these verbal texts? But a verbal tick that you most likely did notice is the one that is typically used in error art. In error art, they use repetition in order to create expectation and then break from the artificial expectation that was created by intentional repetition. But what they did not account for is that if you actually pay attention the actual error, the actual nuance, the actual art, the true error is not the intentional error, is not the thing you were or weren't expecting to be out of place, but in fact, the minute differences, the minute differences, the minute, the minutia, the minute, the minute, the minute, the moment, the minute, the minute, the minute, the minute differences between repetitions, among repetitions, that a repetition is never 100% the same. Because the first time you experience something, it is purely experience. The second time you experience the apparently same or identical thing, which is similar but never identical, never truly identical, like two creations of the same coffee mug, you do not get exactly the same thing. You still have two different mugs. They can never occupy the same point in space and time simultaneously. We can't sit on the same chair and both be comfortable. So it's never 100% identical. And it is these minute differences between repetitions that cannot be planned. Let's consider time as we discuss repetition and discuss music and discuss art and discuss, in fact, what does not fit in those categories. And consider that, and consider that 
wait, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, um, and consider that, um, um, consider time in some cultures as linear and other cultures as cyclical and some cultures as finite in number and characteristics they are parts of time parts of the day certain cycles certain repetitions certain quantitative datum related to time Time is predominantly juxtaposed with, in the deeper sense of time, as our psychological sense of continuity, our capacity for memory, which is a cognitive thing. And in Alzheimer's and dementia, you have the breakdown of this continuity. But in this case, it's seen as pathological, whereas we have the aboriginal notion of dream time. Consider that how time works in dreams. What is the nature of time in dreams? Most of us do not experience a continuity of our dreams. Most of us do not remember most of our dreams, let alone notice when we have had the same dream the same dream years decades apart not only a repetition of that dream but a continuation of a dream from last tuesday this idea that the dream plane the dream realms our dreams are actual places that we travel to and that exists independently of us being there. Although that is even arguable. <laughs> but exists in an intersubjective space, in an objective space, in a space that can be revisited. That can be revisited and someone have new experiences. And we can then have new experiences in that state that are congruent with the phenomena, the laws of nature and physics of that entire realm. The notion of dream time is the lack of continuity of phenomena and memory, the persistence of memory in the dream realm. We try to do something, and as we exit the door of what seems to be our typical bedroom, we enter our university lecture hall that we haven't been to in many years, and we sit down for a lecture. But instead, what we had intended to do was get ready for work and go to work. But here's the tricky thing. If you manage to get lucid, you can, in fact, find yourself in the lecture hall and remembering what you were trying to do, find yourself you are quite confused and then turn around, exit through the same door you went through, apparently the same door you went through, and find that you are somewhere else. For some reason, dreams are spliced together. 
they run over each other. It is more like rather going then on a map on a street from one place to another as we typically do rather than being continuous and linear. They are discrete parts of the dream are utterly different spaces. It's as if to exit a gateway or to enter an entrance in a dream, to enter a portal is to go into an entirely different dream. You do with dream yoga and so on, learn how to, or lucid dreaming and astral projection, you do learn how to actually gain the ability for continuity within dreams, to remember your dreams, to have, in fact, what I call dream days. The dream day, the dream day, the dream day is an odd concept. Because for some things to have happened in the same day, they are even peculiar when we remember the entire events of our day, at the end of our day, especially if we visited many locations that day. It's a very peculiar thing that we find ourselves in. We use in memory and continuity the notion of the narrative, which is what memory mainly is. It's the narrative, the sense that one event follows another. The sense that we are still talking about the same thing that we were trying to talk about at the beginning of this talk. I mean, at the beginning of this joke. I mean, at the beginning of this analysis about art. What isn't art? I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I meant. Continuity, the sense that one thing follows another. That it's natural. The sense of natural, the sense. Remember the error, error properly understood, is perfect naturalism. It is the unselfconscious, that which cannot be planned, that which occurs when something else does not. When there is a mismatch between expectation and reality. But you can easily recreate these mismatches. Through repetition. Through repetition. Through repetition. Through repeating. You see? But now you expected me to break it, weren't you? But now did you expect that I would comment on you expecting to me to break it in the first place and be confused and sound like I know what I'm talking about the whole time? Laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Laughing, whether or not it is appropriate to laugh, whether or not it is appropriate to laugh. For example, here is what I consider to be a joke, and I'm going to present it to you under the frame of a joke. Remember now, it's a joke. Jokes are inherently funny. The expectation is that you will in fact laugh at this joke. And so, here's the poem I want to present you. What is brown and sticky? 
What is brown and sticky? What is brown and sticky? A stick. What is brown and sticky? What is brown and sticky? What is brown and sticky? A melted chocolate bar. Long forgotten in your mother's purse. What is brown and sticky? What is green and sticky? What is like blue paint? What is like blue paint? What is like blue paint? What is improvisation? What is brown and sticky? Chocolate cake. What is brown and sticky? Chocolate ice cream. What is brown and sticky? Vanilla ice cream that fall into your chocolate ice cream. What is brown and sticky? <laughs> the bark of a tree covered in sun. Specifically, the bark of a tree that has fallen off the main branch and so is now lying on the path on your beautiful nature walk. What do we call a severed branch that is brown and sticky? A stick. <laughs> Error, 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 aeon, error, mistake, the sense of a mismatch, the sense of an unexpected mismatch, extreme naturalism, or rather self-recursive, <laughs> tautologist. Tautologous. The tautology of self-recursive, repetitive, reflexive, naturalism. The main expectation about art is that it, it is something pretty. That's the main expectation. Presenting something that is purposefully ugly breaks that expectation. Where music is consonant sound and you present dissonance, the least musical thing you would think are the sounds of a factory. Just grinding gears and or a traffic jam. The sound of an egg frying. The sizzle in the oil. Speech is a core example of something that does not fit in the box of music and does not fit as well in the box of noise. It is communication. It is the communication of the meaning through little math noises.
It's a specifically telling you something. Music, in most cases, is not specifically telling you something. It's sound for the sake and pleasure of sound. Or noise for the sake of noise, for its drawing qualities. It is playing with sound, so when it communicates, if it does, in fact, intend to communicate, is aesthetics, is an aesthetic quality, an axiological value. But you are most likely not listening to this for purely the sake of pleasure, purely because it fits a particular mood, purely because you like it, purely because of its aesthetic value. What in art? I have argued that. Apparently I was arguing. I have argued that. Or rather I have talked. I have spoken. Thus. That there's something about speech, about talking, that makes it fundamentally different from music and noise. That is the aesthetic value. Yet you're still dealing with sound. But something further removed is glossolalia. Glossolalia is speaking in tongues. Remember that topic? <laughs> glossolalia. Retracing our steps back to the beginning, back to the original tangent. Glossolalia is speaking in tongues. Tongues not meant as languages, although that interpretation is possible and a valid miracle in itself, as far as ancient miracles go. But glossolalia in the sense of something that sounds like it is communicating meaning but the words themselves the sounds themselves are not from any known language that exists on the planet <laughs> it is completely new phonetic sounds it's a completely new phonology it's a completely new grammar the communication of pure linguistic intent that is the purest expression of language. Okay, cheated. Madisha is actually from a language I created that actually exists. That's not a joke language. <laughs> but everything else was valid, completely 100% glossolalia. But you don't know whether I wrote this down. <laughs> this is the thing about improvisation. Improvisation, the final art piece, the recording, which is what you're receiving. You're receiving the finally processed product.
but it's cold, edited, it's cold, unedited, it's cold, unplugged, it's cold, raw, authentic, real, containing all the errors. But since we purposefully, intentionally contained all the mistakes we made, they are no longer, in fact, like any ordinary mistake. They are, in fact, now something that belongs. We naturally misspeak in conversation, and so it sounds natural if you consider this as a conversation. But the weird part about this conversation is that much like the relationship we probably have, it's parasocial, it's one-sided. Yet how do you call this still communication? Co, meaning coming together, mune, uni, 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 unifying, come, 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 come. Come, <laughs> come, communicate. Communicate. Communication. Communication. Coming together to unify ourselves through linguistification, through linguistification. <laughs> through revisualization, through, I mean, reverbalization. Do you know what I mean? Through, do you know the meaning of meaning? Do tangents upon tangents upon uncompleted sentences. Once come, thus gone. This is the great way. Once come, twice gone. This is the great way. Once come, thrice gone. This is the great way. Once come, once gone, once come, once gone, twice gone, thrice gone, 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 far gone, beyond gone, gone beyond the beyond. Gate, gate, para gate, para sam gate, bodhi huh? Repetition, 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 also repetition, breaking the pattern. <laughs> now, what's the difference between the neighbor's child repeating the sound of their alarm going off, which you heard earlier, and my repetition of the child's repetition, my repetition of the child's imitation of the repeated siren sound of the alarm going off, none of which was planned, but by looking the time could have been expected. But since we are in fact discussing the unexpected, the error, the mistake, it somehow fits in into this joke. <laughs> What is an art? What isn't an art? What is art? What is error? A mismatch between 
expectation and experience. But you can, in fact, create expectation, create experience, and create a mismatch between them. A mismatch among them. A mismatch. A misplacement. An aeon. Decay, degradation, disorder, dissonance, discord. What is its art? You know what is error and you know we can create error. Which means we can make art out of our mistakes. We can make a performance out of our mistakes. We can, in fact, create error and purpose. And you see, this isn't true error, I've said before. It's the minute differences between repetitions, the unplanned. The unplanned mistake <laughs> that is not intended for any aesthetic value. And this is where the whole thing breaks down. Because our point here is an attempt to access what is outside of creativity. It's the self-transcendence of the creative act to bring in something that altogether transcends any expectation of what we even could expect. Expecting what we don't expect and then receiving what we could not expect. Transnaturalism. Transcendence art. An experience, although it can be created and thus converted into art, is itself not art. Art is something that is inherently cognitive. Although you can direct the intuitive faculties, the faculties which produce experience, and you can have them guide you unconsciously behaving, the stream of consciousness attempts to do this, and then you push the boundary further and do stream of consciousness glossolalia, and then you push this further, <laughs> push it further still, and go beyond consciousness, beyond any awareness of what's happening. But here you would have forgotten to press record. It's all the little things that were never intended to be recorded. What was intended to be recorded is what is coming out of my mouth, is these small mouth noises. It is these small mouth noises. But many, 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 many elements. You've gotten used to me doing that. <laughs> Repetition as 
a linguistic crutch, as a creative crutch. You are numb, you expect the breaking of the created expectation. It no longer works. Although the exact set of words is never planned. Although the initial seed idea was planned, the context, the stage, partially, marginally created a context in which we are walking through creativity. To go beyond creativity, to go beyond cognition, realizing that, in fact, cognition is another experience and there isn't much difference between cognition and intuition. That, that these are married, they are the front and back, the top and the bottom of this procreative act of being an artist. And so what we are looking for, which places us in a precarious position because we are looking for it, is something we cannot describe beforehand. We cannot describe until we find it. But once we found it, we will know. And this is the definition of outsider art. You sort of encounter it and you're like, yeah. <laughs> You don't have a specific taste in people. You don't. <laughs> Not until you actually encounter someone that fits that taste, and then you're like, oh, yeah, that's it. You cannot consciously actually crunch this down unless you actually kept a record of all the details of all the people you have ever preferred, which you most likely have surrounded yourself with if you are a good and decent person. If you're not insane and self-destructive, you probably have surrounded yourself with a bunch of people <laughs> who are most likely very similar or very much fit your tastes. And those who do not particularly fit your tastes have somehow broken the mold and gone above and beyond your expectations and endeared themselves to you. But you didn't notice the fact that you could come to love anything, that in fact what you love is arbitrary. That in fact what we have labeled as art, anti-art, outsider art, mainstream art. <laughs> it's that one. It's trying to create the uncreated. And this is where we truly find the juncture of this. What ain't art? What ain't art? What isn't art? What is ain't art? What is art? What is ain't art? What does not belong is what is uncreated. Now, <laughs> How do you create the uncreated? Well, this is what you do. You would do the found art approach. <laughs> Not found art, but found objects. A found objects installation places the flame, understands art to be a simple box, a simple frame that you can place around everything to take a urinal, a broken urinal, in a toilet is a broken urinal. It is not art. In a gallery, as an installation, it is now very, 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 very expensive art. 
<laughs> extremely expensive art, art that produces vast commentary and books. The found objects approach is this attempt to create the uncreative, improvisation, noise music, brute art, expressionism, all these movements, all of them, era, art, imperfection, is all this attempt to create the uncreated. And beyond this movement, this attempt to create the uncreated, visionary art included, to create the uncreated, to create the uncreated, to create the uncreated, which funny enough, if you repeat it enough times and start to analyze, to analyze and understand it, you find that every single creation in fact creates the uncreated. It does this process of taking what has not been created and creates it. It's the passage into, it's the passage from uncreation into creation. From what is ain't art into what is. From the non-aesthetic into the aesthetic and anesthetic. But now here's our true question pushed further. We have already created the uncreated. How do we uncreate? <laughs> now this is where you get cut up art. This is where you get distortion. This is where you get the texture of ancient recordings, ancient tape recordings, low fidelity, lo-fi, and now a no fidelity. Outsider music movement, outsider art, outsider music as a movement, outsider art as a specific intentional approach to art. is still creating the uncreated. But what it is trying to do this time, I mean, is not creating the uncreated, and I really do mean is not creating the uncreated. It is instead uncreating. It is instead not uncreating, but instead destroying. Understanding uncreation as destroying. But here's where we get into uncreating in a more legitimate sense is the mandalas, the sand mandalas of Tibetan monasteries. Early, early at about three, four in the morning, these monks wake up. They take sand of different colors, new sand, <laughs> that is new sand, which is a peculiar, it's a very peculiar, very ephemeral material to use and what they do what it does what it do what is fuck my niggas anyway <laughs> that's the notion i was describing earlier is the play off of the schema that dream time is more like walking through a schema a schema or cognitive schema, the full name, is a network of related ideas that sort of, you can show this as concentric circles, and further away from the center are less and less related words, less and, re less, and less related concepts. So it would make sense in terms of 
a a schematic analysis of a dream that you were waking up to go to work and you left the door of your room to find yourself in a lecture hall. Lecture hall and going to work, going to work has replaced going to a lecture hall. These are related. (laughs) These are related. These doorways are connected. And so you can see how this fans out to increasingly, increasingly, increasingly unrelated phenomena, but it's all connected. It's all one sub F. Tatvam Asi, I am that, I am that one. I am the all connection. That what these monks do what these monks do, and thus talking like this is much like a dream, and what these monks do, this is what we mean by dream time, and what these monks do, and by dream time we mean the sense of time you get when you're in a dream. That is my understanding without ever reading what dream time actually is to the Australian Aborigines, and what we do, (laughs) and what these monks do. See that mistake we created? Beautiful. And what these monks do. What these monks do is take colored sand, and for the whole day as a meditation, they use different colors of sand to create these complex mandalas, which are uncreated visionary art. Visionary art is created. Visionary art is created because it takes the uncreated vision and turns it into something that is an aesthetic that can be understood, interpreted, and consumed. But uncreating what it does, what they do, what these monks do, is create these complex sand mandalas the whole day, maybe 12 hours of work, and at the end, they take this big brush and wipe it all away, taking no pictures. The sand leaves no trace. This is what children do with sand castles. Ephemeral art. Ephemeral art. Impermanent art. Now we're talking about the status message. The status message. Statuses on social media that last only 24 hours. That is the digital notion of this uncreated aspect. Something that is created not to last, created to rapidly decay and disappear and never be seen again. Not saved, not preserved anywhere. Although they've done this funny thing of having this ability to preserve statuses on Instagram, which kind of defeats the point that you can lock them in as permanent parts of your profile. So now you have the inversion of the impermanent and the creation of permanence. Something that was created, something that was uncreated, something that was uncreated to be impermanent, something that was created to be impermanent, to be transient, is now recreated, reframed, in order to be something permanent. Breaking the expectation. It's the same medium, it's the same frame, it's the same materials, but now used for something else. Now used for their opposite purpose. The mandala sand art is based on 
is uncreated based on a creation of impermanence as a Buddhist teaching, as a yogic teaching, that it, it is, everything is impermanent. Impermanence is a part of everything. Once come, thus gone. This is the great way. So it's creating impermanent art. Now, time to go beyond this, this creating, because initially we consider impermanent art, the impermanent art movement, or uncreated. The uncreated stuff is now being pushed further along. Creating the uncreated is where we're still stuck, in fact. Because you are creating the uncreated by creating something impermanent. Now try to do this. Take found art. <laughs> An example. Take found art. And make found art impermanent. One, something found was not created by you. So it is uncreated in that sense. Maybe created by someone else, but it definitely wasn't created by you. So it is at least not created in that sense. Now you place it in a short-lived gallery. A gallery for a single hour, for a single day, a pop-up, and then it's gone. Impermanent art is known. <laughs> pop-up shops, pop-up galleries, pop-up shows, pop-up festivals. The pop-up is known. We're familiar with it. It's derived from this impermanent art, which is still a symbolic representation of impermanence concretization of a concept, a communication. And so, the uncreated, as we kick it further along, kick further beyond, further beyond outsider art, <laughs> truly, truly beyond the absolute uncreated, outside of creativity, Right? We have now thoroughly looking at extreme naturalism and looking into transnaturalism with the uncreated. Now we want something that, since we know we have found art movements and the pop-up, the impermanent art, as the uncreated, it's already known if that's what it means to be uncreated and we already have a definition, an image, a title for it. We need something even more original. <laughs> we need to go even further into the trans-created, that which utterly transcends creativity. That which transcends creativity. Here you are trying to, here we are trying to Here we are trying to differentiate something that is to bring forth the inspiration, which is another movement, thought provocation. To create inspiration is something else. The trans-created, although this goes more directly within creativity, its intuitive aspects, is to the inspiration, is into, is into the inspirational, is to present the vision, 
to not, not to present the vision, because that would mean to create the uncreated, but instead to provoke something else. That, in fact, the art is created not to communicate a specific thing, but to provoke something else. This is what we call in Zen Buddhist teachings, the art of direct pointing. That is, I don't want you to believe my teachings and believe what I have taught you. I want to provoke you to develop your own beliefs, to go beyond me, or at least to go beyond me and go to my sources, to go beyond me and go beyond my sources, to find your own sources, to be your own source. You being your own source is a completely new source than what we had before. For an artist to create another artist. <laughs> now this. <laughs> now this. This is the Sanam Bonum. The Anuttara Samyak Sam. Creativity. This is the trans creator. Creativity which, a creative act which provokes creativity in others. Now the question is how do we do that? Or rather, we ask ourselves, how have others already done that? Because they already have. By providing an experience, by creating experience, you provoke inspiration. And inspiration and an experience are not far removed from each other. Writers are people who enjoyed reading and then decided that they wanted to do it as well. Or my more friendly presentation is that, which is the case for me mainly, is that if you consume a certain artifact, a certain media long enough, if I consume a certain media long enough, I will eventually want to make my own version of that media, to push that media forward, to contribute, and not simply to consume. This is where we have the original content movement on Reddit in the 2010s. So we already have this idea. So we need to push further, push further still. Beyond the trans created, beyond even that which results in the creation of other art, that which is created as a muse, right? That which is created not as art, but as inspiration. To go beyond the whole process, we would need to break it down. We need to break down this process and say that we have experience first. After experience, we have inspiration. After inspiration, or rather, we have experience as something naturally occurring outside of our creativity, although it seems that through our analysis of what isn't art, is that everything is in fact art, and that's the problem. Art imitates life, life imitates life, life is art, you live your art, life is in fact itself 
something that was created, a creative act, something that was procreated. We create our own identities. It's a constant creative process, procreation. It is fundamentally a creative activity. And so to transcend life is to ask ourselves the question of what is death, but death is clearly based off of the account of ancestors and all the ancestors and all discussions and encounters with people who are dead, with people who are long dead. You could say even that all spirits are ancestral spirits. All spirits are ancestral spirits. I mean it from the gods to the angels to the devas, whatever cosmic being, whatever transpersonal, spiritual, supernatural being, entity, intelligence, all of them, even alien encounters, all forms, all encounters that are inherently, seemingly not beings who are anything that we have seen from life are in fact dead life that has now been preserved, that has now been conserved in a different form. Energy is conserved, basically everything is energy, so why wouldn't a psyche, a soul, a spirit, a mind, the infinite, the divine, why wouldn't life that has so much conservation within itself, so many habits of evolution, so much recreation, so much repetition, so much procreation, so much conservation of previous experience, of previously created phenomena, why would death ever be assumed to be anything less than a transformation, anything other than a transformation into a different form of life, a continuation of life, that in fact life in a physical body is the beginning of someone's life, of an entity's life. And then their life continues from there. That is like reducing it, assuming we weren't already existing in some form before we were in our bodies. And now our bodies have allowed us, our physical bodies have allowed us to be self-conscious. And now that introduction of self-consciousness, the new quality is now conserved in the side, in what we were before we were born. And so we continue further into what we were before we had a physical body before we had a psychological, mental mind. So trying to go beyond creativity, or push it further still to evolve, it's rather the evolution rather than the transcendence of creativity. Transcendence into the production of experiences, which has already been done, we're already creating experiences. We need to create something else, something that is not knowledge, that is not art, that is not cognitive. To create, basically what we need to do is create spiritual artifacts. <laughs> now, spiritual artifacts, Now, spiritual artifacts are something else. Spiritual artifacts, spiritual phenomena, in fact, the creation of the synchronicity, 
the creation of higher states of consciousness, the miracle, the miraculous, the miraculous as art is unknown. And this is where we sort of learn because how we transcend naturalism, the tendency towards naturalism is to go beyond the definition of nature as something as strictly physical and something that is strictly psychological. So you go beyond both physiology, anatomy, physics, and psychology. You go beyond your natural scientific sciences and your humanities into something else. What I'm proposing then, much as I did with complexity ontology and complexity epistemology, is that it's complexity art, complexity creativity. The, we know quite certainly that there's in fact seven or eight classes of phenomena or types of stuff. There's somatic or physical stuff with the physical body. There is psychic, psyche, psychological, mental stuff in which the ego, personality, is our body. There is the spirit, which is ontological, which has the soul as its body made out of numinous stuff. Right? Physical has quanta, psychological has qualia, and the spiritual has numina. There's still the infinite, which has divinity, and has deity as its body, and is made out of <laughs> infinitive stuff, for lack of a better word. And there's still the mystery, there's still the void, there's still the nonsensical, and there's then the speakable Tao, and beyond that is the unspeakable Tao. <laughs> Of which we can simply say, it is the unspeakable Tao. It is the utmost creative force, the prime mobile, as the ancients called it. The prime mover. That which everything is created from and through. The undiluted creative force. And so, as a practice of enlightenment, art, creativity, can then be grown to now enter into, enter into the class of phenomena, of spiritual phenomena. We do have a history of what is called ancient or indigenous art, which is primarily visionary art, but what you have is archaeological artifacts of what was in various temples, what was well-preserved, and archaeology, a museum as a preservation of cultural artifacts, and considering the spiritual artifact, the mystical, as something that is further beyond the reaches. Because what you are now doing is miraculous art, which is what I'm calling the miracle, is the miracle is something more than an error. This is where we come to have serendipity and synchronicity. 
serendipity and synchronicity. Miraculous art is hardly something that can be planned. <laughs> the true miracle. The true miracle. What you do here is, in fact, just simply have magic, right? Occult art, but not occult art as art, but magic. The actual magical sigil, the actual magical artifact that, in fact, if engaged with, such as this, the actual magical artifact imbued with intention, now becomes the source for producing a miracle, not just creating art, not just inspiring the creation of the same thing, or an original iteration of the same thing, but inspiring that which is beyond itself. Again, we come to a new understanding of direct pointing. Direct pointing in spiritual teachings is best captured as the finger pointing at the moon. The finger pointing at the moon, or the spiritual teaching as a finger, and always a finger, no matter what level of depth or extension or affectation or the amount of creative capacity that is placed within a teaching, it will only ever be a finger. And what its best job is, is to direct those who do not know what the moon is, who have not seen the moon, is to direct them as directly as possible to the moon. And not only to the moon, but the complete structure of lunar phases to direct them to become that which they truly are. So, no longer to create, but to inspire. No longer to inspire, but to experience. No longer to experience, but to transcend. The miraculous as art is something that is not just error, but is something that so utterly, its error is a mere mismatch between expectation and experience. The miracle, miraculous art, is such a large mismatch between expectation and experience that it results in the notion of the impossible, <laughs> the inconceivable. That which, apart from the present experience, the person who created it, the factors that have come together to produce this experience, it would not be possible other than exactly at this moment. It's the art of synchronicity, the art of meaningful coincidence. Art as now magic. Art as magic. But we've already had that with Topi, the temple of psychic youth. The temple of psychic youth and their sigil art bank and archives, Genesis Peorage and Lady J, they already did this, right? They already did this, but 
So few people have done this. So few people have done this. Miraculous art. Miraculous art <laughs> is, is creating the impossible. Now, when we create this impossible thing is that we would need to take the classic formula, repetition, 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 creates expectation, 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 break from the pattern. Break away from expectation. That is the typical formula. But the miraculous is now a peculiar thing. You don't simply set up expectation. You don't simply create expectation. You, in fact, access such fundamental assumptions. You see, you're no longer dealing with expectation, but dealing with fundamental assumptions. And you utterly break those. It's something that just goes... Okay, I don't know what the hell I just encountered. <laughs> I don't know what the hell I just encountered. I have no words. I have no categories. No place for this. This is the miraculous. And I think what the present move, what needs to be approached is or what is being approached more and more is the culture of the miraculous. The miraculous is something just so breathtaking. But the miracle, miraculous art, already exists in the form of illusionism and inventions. The invention of entirely new art forms, of entirely new technologies, and so on. Now you're considering the idea of invention as art, as an act of creativity, right? As a creative act. And that's what we understand art to be, the creative act. Miraculous art. Achieving the impossible, achieving the inconceivable, is something that is being done frequently and is exceptionally valuable. And is exceptionally valuable. And we have already done such a thing <laughs> before. With Dissecting the Infinite. The Dissecting the Infinite series is... <laughs> Inventing that which utterly revolutionizes and breaks expectations and assumptions and creates something utterly new, utterly beyond, something miraculous, something that is so, so removed from our expectations, such a large mismatch that it's difficult to believe. <laughs> That is, actually, in some cases, unless you have had those experiences, it cannot be believed. Because that's where the miraculous and the impossible become very interesting, is that it's not what you didn't expect, 
it's not just the unexpected, it's what you could not have expected at all. <laughs> the could not have been expected is the realm of invention. The could not have been expected is very interesting. But then again, what you have with illusionism, with stage magic, magic without a K, this is not magic, is that even magic with a K is that synchronicity is meaningful coincidence. You created that coincidence, so you expected it. The exact details were unclear to you, or sometimes extremely clear to you, and so you expect it to occur. You assume, in fact, that it will occur. So it is not properly impossible. Magical art is a movement, occult art, or magic more generally is outsider art, to be sure. It is in the realm of the uncreated, but... <laughs> it is transcreative, but because it's working with inspiration more than anything, it is manifestive in its nature. That's the transcreative. The transcreative, or rather we should distinguish it thus, it is the creative thing. It is the creative act itself as an art form. And that's where you get magic, because it is manifestation. It is creating something as such, as an art form, bringing something into being. So it's the absolute creative act, in fact. The miraculous. <laughs> we place in the trans-creative. The miraculous. The miraculous is the unexpected impossible, whereas the magical is... Hmm, whereas the magical is... The expected impossible. In a sense. It's impossible in the sense that it breaks your expectations. It's out of the norm. Then again, it does become quite normal after a fashion. And so magical arts is not much of that. So it wouldn't really work to say that. It is the expected unexpected and the miraculous is the unexpected unexpectable <laughs> and that's a peculiar thing to create that's a very peculiar thing to create not the uncreated no more. We have gone beyond the uncreated into the uncreatable. <laughs> what is ain't art? What is ain't art is what cannot be created. But by fundamentally creating that, presenting what cannot be created. <laughs> This, 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 that, 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 that. The uncreatable. The uncreatable is the true anuttara. Samyak, sam, 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 parasam, sam, sanam. Creative. The unexcelled. 
act of creativity, which is bringing into existence that which is impossible. That which, but here's the thing now, how do we do this? We're still working in relationship to expectation. So you would create a whole context of expectation. Once again, we can do this with our formula. Repetition, repetition, repes repetition. <laughs> Breaking the pattern. Expectation, expectation, expectation. The unexpected. You would have to do this potentially as a formula. The unexpected, the unexpected, the unexpected. Then break the pattern into that which could not have been expected based on what has been presented. <laughs> this would be a cheap method for climbing the ladder into the impossible. You would present basically error. But this is the cutoff technique, no? The cut-up technique does this, in a sense. The cut-up method... You would, it would be a second step to the cut-up method, actually. It would be, you do cut-ups from the very beginning. You do them automatically. You do them as a context. So things do not follow from each other at all. That it's just one leap of faith to another, just intuitive leaps quantum leaps that are just utterly, utterly unexpected and they go from one to another and stack and stack and stack and stack and stack and stack. You'd basically do this. You would initially present a schema in the classical sense, a schema, a network of connected ideas, right? We've probably seen Music Map or Movie Map online, which does this, which draws this out for you. In the center, you have the core concept, maybe love for example maybe emotions right and so you have emotions at the center then you have love hate indifference and then you have around love you have your family friends and similar things you have like and so on the people you like the people you dislike and then for the people you like you have your friends and family and then from your friends you have all your friends and then you go into a bubble of one of your friends and you have attributes and ideas about them you have all the knowledge you have about them and from one of those topics it then connects into a completely different topic and each of the bubbles each of the connected parts sort of like a network but sort of like a net but where there is a tie a connection a meeting point a nexus with each nexus you have a bubble of a, a bubble which has concentric circles around it a concentric bubble <laughs> a bubble of concentric bubbles a network of ideas as well a network of connected ideas and the whole network is then meshed together into one massive network so you eventually sort of like the dictionary right you look up the definition of say transcendence and then it relates you to going beyond and then you look up beyond and then beyond would eventually link you back to transcendence <laughs> in a weird fashion
beyond that which is above that which is above would lead you to up and up would eventually to would eventually tell you that which is above <laughs> that which is beyond it would repeat eventually it's a network of connected synonyms and what a dictionary does of one language is give you a list of synonyms of a specific word in order to describe that word it uses other words eventually it repeats and you find yourself in a loop between two simple sets of synonyms which you should really know if you know the language at all <laughs> and so and so the miraculous the miraculous would have to follow this fashion you would in fact use the cut-up method initially as part use the unexpected as the expected component and so as your repetitions you repeat the unexpected until the mind is in a vague loose state of things that don't really go together at all you don't know what you're looking at you don't know what is foreground and background you're just in this vague state of magic <laughs> it's out it's just something else entirely and even doing that already breaks the pattern of error so it's just error upon error upon error upon and since it's all error and that's the foundation you're using you are then expecting error and it's no longer unexpected and then you don't then go from there to present something that is in fact expected you then completely go outside all possible notions of expectation into that which could not have been expected at all that which does not follow that which could not follow right in the end to quote our friend mckenna we'd say the world is not just weirder than we suppose it's weirder than we can suppose it's bringing forward pretty much the psychedelic experience minus presenting you with the drug <laughs> this 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 is what could not have followed <laughs> This is what could not have followed. This is the miraculous, right? You do some meditation, which is for all intents and purposes, either an extreme form of a sense, an excess of a sense, or an extreme, an extreme increase of a certain overstimulation of a specific sense, or an understimulation of a specific sense, to the point that you eventually notice things that you could not have noticed in the presence of that sense but by this i don't mean ambient art ambient music because the ambient will always be presented in that labeling in that box It would have to be <laughs> truly 